Hey guys, I'm Kelsey. And I'm Ari, and welcome back to Letters from a 2020 Senior. On today's episode, we are going to be interviewing a very, very special guest. Yes, we are so excited. So, in general, Letters from a 2020 Senior is our own personal love letter and message to the world and our listeners about our own lives and navigating this crazy time from our perspective. But we thought it'd be really cool to bring on a special guest to provide more insight on the topics that we struggle with and answer some of our own questions. Yes, we are beyond excited and honored to have our first special guest episode today where we will be interviewing Karen Alitsky, who helped me and Kelsey so much with our own journeys, and we're so excited to be talking to her. And here she is. Hi, Karen. How are you? Oh, hi, Kelsey. Hi, Ariel. I'm fine. How are you? Good, good. We're so happy you're here with us today. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. (laughs) Okay, let's get right into it. Um, So first, can you just give us a bio or introduction to who you are and... Um, like your work and what you do now? Sure, I would love to. Um, So college counseling for me sort of happened by accident. I was a teacher for a long time. Um, I went to Amherst College, which is a small liberal arts school. And after that, I I started teaching immediately um, after I graduated. And years later, I went back to grad school and then was uh, teaching again. And um, at the time I was teaching in San Francisco and I was teaching all juniors and seniors because I was doing AP Gov and AP Psychology. And it just so happens that the um, college counselor at our school was relocating. And my boss at the time asked me if I'd be interested in learning the process. And I was really excited because it was I was working really closely in the classroom with juniors and seniors and especially teaching psychology. It's like you're watching kids go through this process and navigating a lot of stressful times. So I was I was really interested in learning it. And um, what was supposed to be me just helping him out for a semester turned into something I absolutely loved and wound up taking over the whole process. Um, so that was a really small school. We had about anywhere from 60 to 80 graduating seniors a year, but I became the director of college counseling there, and I just loved, I eventually, I think maybe two years later, left the classroom, and because it was such a full-time job, and I just, I really loved working with the kids one-on-one to to help them figure out what they really wanted for this next step and not just academically i mean academics are certainly a big piece of it but it's so much more than that in terms of finding what's going to be the best fit for you as a person and both in the classroom and outside of the classroom and just you know growing my college experience was so wonderful that it's just there's so much to it so I, I went back to graduate school and then went back. Um, I've worked as a college counselor in very rigorous independent schools, uh, first in San Francisco, then in New York City, and then most recently here in San Diego at La Jolla Country Day School. And um, I was there for seven years, and it feels, I can't believe it, and 2015 I left because I have two young kids and at the time I just had our second who is now seven so it (laughs) feels like yesterday but it's a while ago now and I decided to take the leap and start my own business um, so I'd have more flexibility for my kids and I really had no idea at the time how it would turn out or how much it would grow but um, I initially started off with just a bunch of students from Country Day who I had worked with and just wanted to keep working with me and since then it has grown and grown and grown 
primarily word of mouth and friends and you know so I work with kids all over the country and um, I have about I try and limit but I have about 25 students per grade um, that I work with through the process and that's kind of it in a nutshell I absolutely love it oh that's really amazing Amazing. yeah thank you thank you for sharing that (laughs) um okay so what we really what we want to ask you next is um when should high schoolers kind of start thinking about college just in general? Okay, so thinking about college, this is a great question. And so I think that in these days, it's sort of impossible for so for it to not think about it starting in ninth grade. And this was a question we got a lot when uh, when I was at Country Day because we didn't officially start working with students until junior year. And a lot of times people mm-hmm. wanted to start earlier, but... I think there's a difference between the thinking and the planning. And so I think in many ways, the planning really begins in ninth grade because students are choosing their courses and they're building relationships with their teachers and their coaches and their advisors and their mentors and all the adults in their lives. And these are all pieces of the process that students build on each year. And there should absolutely be thinking involved, you know, diving deeper into your academics or challenging yourselves with honors or AP courses, if it's appropriate, or, you know, building your leadership within these extracurriculars. But the actual, you know, like tangible pieces of the process, like preparing for standardized tests and requesting teacher recommendations and building your college list, these things really begin between the spring of sophomore year and the fall of junior year because you you know you have more information it's hard to start building a college list when you're in ninth grade and you don't have any grades Mm -hmm. you don't have any test scores and so on the one hand I really really believe it's important and beneficial to know what's coming so students aren't you know students and parents aren't caught flat-footed and saying I wish I had known but I also believe that in in ninth and 10th grade, it's most important to be focused on schools and what you're doing and all those things I mentioned, your relationships with your teachers and your work in the classroom. Um, so the, all of those things will prepare you for when the actual planning really begins mm-hmm. in you know, sophomore to junior year. And of course, senior year is a big one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think it's important to find a balance between like always planning ahead, but not getting too stressed, mm-hmm. like too early because it is a stressful process and like you don't want to be a freshman just totally college focused right exactly and I think for me it's I have because I worked in independent schools where we really guided students and parents every step of the way now I mean I still have independent school students who I work with but primarily I work with public school kids and even at the best public schools which we have amazing ones out here the, the caseloads are so big for the counselors that it's, you know, it's just, it's impossible to do a, such a hands-on process. So I love being able to help students and parents be proactive, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. knowing when to start prepping for their tests or knowing when and how to ask their teachers for recommendations, things that we did for the kids. You know, I love to give parents and students those tools so they're not like, oh, I wish someone had told me that I should have, you know, fill in the blank. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our next question is suggestions for how many schools to apply to and how to make a list, especially now without being able to visit schools. Um, we are talking to some, some future seniors 
And they were saying it's really hard because it seems just from online and websites that um, all the schools seem the same to them. Right. And it's hard to make distinctions to see, like, which ones you actually want to apply to. Yes, this is it's, it's not an easy time without being, being able to visit colleges. So I'm going to get to the number of college number of colleges second and talk about creating that list. And so for me, it's all about, um, there's two factors that I call the objective factors and the subjective factors. And the objective, of course, you have your transcript and your grades and the types of courses you've taken and, you know, your, your leadership, the, the big tangible things that are going to be looked at by college. But then equally important to every student are the subjective factors. What is important to you as a person outside of what you want to study? What does the college look like and feel like? And and these are the parts that now are so much harder. But I always recommend that students have a list of these priorities in their head on paper. You know, some kids like to make a spreadsheet. Some people, some kids prefer just a, a pros and cons list, whatever, whatever it is. And there's no right or wrong of what you put on this list. And so if you know what part of the country you want to be in, or I know I don't want to go more than three hours from home or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And so you're talking about the size and the setting. Do you want to be close to a big city? Do you want to be in a college town? Do you want to be in a rural environment? Do you want to be where there's big Greek life and big school spirit and so on and so forth. And so I think it's really important, especially now to be comparing apples to apples and oranges and to oranges so and like i said you might have one student who has all these factors that are really important to him or her and another student has totally different ones you know the weather might be and sometimes kids will say it's so silly but i don't want to be somewhere where it's raining all the time and it's it's not silly at all this is hopefully your home you know for the next four years and so whatever is important to you is what's important and should be on that list and so for the time being, you know, of course, this is going to be virtual tours and talking to people who have gone to these schools, reaching out to the uh, representatives. And on most college websites, you can look up um, admissions by region. And right now is not a good time to reach out to them because they're buried in applications. But come April, it's a great time to reach out and make those connections and show your interest at colleges so they know you've been looking. It's called demonstrated interest. And just try and, you know, fill out these lists as much as possible. So when eventually we can get back on campuses, you know, you're, you have a bit of a feeling for what you're looking for. And, and the other thing is all this research does not go to waste because you guys can attest so many colleges ask the why question, why mm -hmm. you're interested in this school and the specifics and the research that you do ahead of time will will serve you very, very well. I know both Kelsey and Ariel can. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> so in terms of how many schools, this is a hard question. And because of the com competition that goes into uh, college admissions, I, people keep applying to more and more schools. I would love to say, you know, 10 to 12 schools where I, that's counting the UC system just as one because it's one application. But I think now nowadays it's more like 10 to 15 is probably the average. Um, I really work with my students really hard to research at the front end of the process so that hopefully you can find that balance and not, I think what happens a lot of times is kids panic and start adding a lot of 
safety schools, just in case, just in case, just in case. Mm -hmm. But what you want to ask yourself as a student, and I hear students say this all the time, oh, I'm just applying there. I would never want to go. And if that's how you feel about a school, you absolutely should not waste the time and the money and the energy on the application if it's not a place that you would want to be. So I know it's not a direct answer, but um, mm -hmm. I hope hopefully it, it answers the question. Yeah, I know that's really, really great advice. And I think a lot of um, incoming seniors and even sophomores who are just starting to think about college are really going to benefit from that advice, especially, you know, now when we can't actually visit colleges and I think there's a lot of uh, confusion and wondering about this process so that was really really amazing advice I just sorry one other thing about yeah. it that also because when I work with students I really keep their list broad yeah, I mean all the juniors right now who are like I, I'm going to narrow it there's really no need to narrow it yet I think keeping mm -hmm. it broad for now is is absolutely fine and a lot of times the strategies are, you know, you have the early process and you can apply to a bunch of schools in the early, in the early action process. And then come the middle of December, you see, you know, kind of what's in your hand and what's in front of you. And then mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to say, okay, I'd be happy at, these might not be my first choice schools, but I'd be happy at at least one of these. And now I can not apply to 15 more regular decision if that helps but um it's definitely a process for sure i think um another thing that a lot of incoming seniors and high schoolers are wondering about in general is what do you know about potential changes or solid changes to applications for the class of 2021 and beyond Yes. So this, I think the biggest one word answer to this is testing, mm -hmm. testing, 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 testing. And testing is always the question that I think is on everyone's mind so much. And I would say for all the terrible things we've gone through with the pandemic, a couple good things to come out of it with regards to uh, college applications are the changes in standardized testing. I Every junior I've spoken to since College Board has canceled subject tests is elated. <laughs> and as am I. I mean, the subject tests were just one more test to worry about, or mm -hmm. two or three, one more test date, one more test prep. And so the change in that is wonderful. I'm really, really happy that they've taken that away. And the other is just that so many colleges have made the decision to go test optional or test blind. I mean, the UC system is always, they're always the trailblazers from, you know, initially getting rid of the subject tests to now test optional slash test blind. And while um, for the for the next coming years, I definitely see test optional being playing a very big role in a lot of schools. With the UCs, I think I mean their plan is really just to get rid of the SATs and ACTs altogether. I can't speak for what will actually happen in the next five years because so much is unknown. Mm -hmm. But at least in the next coming, you know, this this year's applying class and the next years, I think the SATs and ACTs are going to play a much, much, much less important. They're, they're just not going to, they'll be on the back burner of the process. Mm -hmm. And that being said, I think it's really important to note that because I, I get this question all the time, should I still take the test? How important is the test? What if I don't do well on the test? And a strong test will will always help, right? If you take the test and you do well, you should absolutely send it and it will always help. I mean, unless the school isn't looking at it. <laughs> but 
in general, not having the test, while it feels like a big relief, students should also know that colleges, of course, are going to be focusing on all the other facets of the application more, right? They're going to fill in that vacuum. And so your grades, while always important, now we're going to be even that much more important. And the teacher recommendations are going to be that much more important in your extracurriculars and leadership. So with one thing taken out of the equation, there's just extra focus on all the other pieces of it. Mm -hmm. And then um, our next question is kind of going on top of that. So um, what are the best ways to stand out in general and especially without the scores if you had planned to have that um, like help you in your application and now you don't have it? Um, Like what are ways to really shine? Yeah, it's it's definitely the kids that have really good scores are like, oh, are these even going to matter now? So it's <laughs> it's frustrating for some kids, you know, those those poor kids up there that do so well on tests. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like I was saying before, it's really everything else, and so it's always been. I mean, in all the years I've been doing this, I used to be able to say at the beginning it was like the transcript is just number one, number one, number one. As the years went on, the the testing really crept up and crept up and crept up to the point where pre-pandemic it was pretty equal between transcript and testing which Mm -hmm. was really unfortunate because the transcript is what students are doing day in and day out over four years you know that should 100% count a lot more than a three-hour test and so now more than ever it will and what I always explain in my very first meeting with students and parents is that on the one hand I think every kid and every parent in America gets very caught up on that number, the GPA. And I could just mm-hmm. imagine anyone who's listening is nodding. <laughs> What's your GPA? And if I take, I really want to take that class, but it's not weighted, so it's going to bring my GPA down and so on. And, and I just have to explain um, that that's not how colleges look at the transcript. They, first of all, they don't even pay any mind to the actual high school GPA. They will recalculate, but what they're looking at is the whole picture of the transcript side by side with the school profile and to get a whole sense of the student and how much they've challenged themselves and while increasing their their rigor, how much their grades have stayed consistent or gone up, et cetera, et cetera. So that will be, once again, really the spotlight of the application. And then the, I think now, you know, the college, the common app, and I should have said this before in terms of changes, but this year was the, they, they added a whole question about COVID and how students have either, you know, what changes, what, what they've gone through and what they've done. And on the one hand, you have kids who have a chance to explain their circumstances and how it's negatively impacted their ability to achieve. But on the other hand, you have kids who have not, fortunately, not been negatively impacted, you know, in, in mm-hmm. you know what I mean, negatively mm-hmm. impacted in a way that's beyond our, our regular day to day and have just taken advantage of the opportunity to do something safely, have to write for a journal or to create or to start their own business or, you know, whatever it might Mm -hmm. be. And so I think, I think showing uh, colleges are always interesting, interested to know how students will persevere in the times of, in the face of an obstacle. So nowadays it's, it's really a way to show a college how you will face obstacles if that makes sense Mm -hmm. for sure yeah that's really great advice and I think a lot of people are going to be able to take from that especially because you know without that testing factor there's so many other places of your application that you can now focus on 
that are going to be so important for that application process. Yeah. Exactly. It's like pursue your academic interests outside of the classroom, mm-hmm. pursue your extracurricular, you know, it. create positive change elsewhere, try and, and really use the things that you love and are good at and take it to the next level. For sure. And I think um, our next question is more for our current seniors um, who are, you know, awaiting their college decisions. What advice would you have for actually making that college decision and also, you know, just the waiting process of waiting for those decisions to come back? Oh, yes. The waiting (laughs) is always the hardest part. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think the first part in terms of the waiting, it's very, I think a lot of times it's easy to say, okay, I've sent everything in, you're exhausted, you just want to take your foot off the pedal and sit back and relax. But I know that you guys can also attest to this, that things happen like wait lists. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) over the years, um, colleges more and more and more, because going back to how I said students more and more and more apply to to more and more colleges, Mm -hmm. it's this perpetual cycle where colleges at the end of the day are a business. And for them, their primary goal, what they have to do is be able to predict their yield. And I know these are kind of crazy. It seems like I'm going off on a tangent, but I promise (laughs) I'll get there. Um, They have to know that the kids that they are accepting, say they have 100 seats to fill, fill, they have to know that they're going to fill them. And so they want to accept kids they know will come. And they also want to accept kids they know are continuing to work really hard throughout senior year. This might not be what kids want to hear right now. (laughs) But the reason I say all this is because colleges more and more rely on a wait list. And so um, first, if you apply early, and seniors will be able to also nod their head to this, more and more kids are being deferred early. And then that means they're in the regular pile. And then more and more kids are being waitlisted. And the reason colleges do this is because they want students to prove to them how badly they want to go to their school. And it's awful. And it's, it's, it's so hard on students. And it's frustrating because you've written all these essays, and you've shown them that you really want to go to this school. But they want to know that if they accept you, you're going to go and you're not they're not just one of 20 schools you apply to and you don't really Mm -hmm. care so as much as it seems like second semester I don't have to work that hard the truth is you want to be in the position that if you get waitlisted at one of your schools your counselors can send in your grades and say look at her look at him he's still plowing through all his courses he has straight A's his teachers are still speaking so highly of what he's doing and so that was a long way around saying, keep at it <laughs> yeah. in school, in everything you're doing, because you just want to still be able to show that you're you're working really hard. If you're waitlisted at a school and the, your grades have gone down, your chances are, are going to go down as well. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. And then making the final decision, this I kind of loops me back around to what I said at putting in the work to to find a good list at the beginning of the process because the hope is, and I've worked with students through this decision-making for so many years, and with kids, it's the best feeling while it's frustrating when they're like, I can't decide, I can't decide. 
what I always explain to students is you did the work at the front end. The reason this decision is so hard is because you hand picked these colleges based on what you wanted. And it kind of all comes around. It's like you work hard in ninth and 10th grade at the beginning before you're actually thinking about the college to discover what you love. What, what are your academic loves? What are your extracurricular loves? Mm-hmm. Then when you start building your list, you're finding the schools that match what you want as opposed to, you know, just trying to be someone that a college might like. And then when you have all your decisions on the table, you're deciding between two, three, four, however many schools that you would be completely happy at any of them so that's the goal and then making that decision it's you know it's a family decision and there's a lot that goes into it but Mm -hmm. um it should absolutely never be what looks good on paper but it should be what is best for you whether you know the best fit academically the best fit extracurricularly personally financially and these are neither these are decisions you have a whole month between finding out in April and making that decision in May. But um, sometimes kids just know, but sometimes it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's all really great. I think especially like coming from someone who just dealt with a lot of wait lists not too long ago. I think that is like everything she just said is definitely the advice that, that helped me get through it and helped me, you know, get into the, get into those wait lists. Um, our next piece of advice or ne- next question is, um, <laughs> What do you think is the most overrated piece of advice about college? Because there's a lot of different sources talking about college, mm-hmm. um, a lot of different people, uh, especially like going through different phases of it. You have different perspectives. So mm-hmm. just like what to tell like sophomores who are just entering this this process and like what to not listen to, I guess. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I know. I used to always tell all the moms, don't talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> really don't talk to anyone. Um, <laughs> I used to just, just call me. Just call me if you have a question. So I think one of the biggest things that scared, like the rankings. I think if mm-hmm. you can ignore, rankings are so fabricated in so many ways. And I there's so many times where kids say, I love this school, but the ranking isn't good or is it going to be good enough for when I want to go to grad school? So Mm -hmm. I think if you can put that aside, that's, that's one thing that, um, again, goes, it's, it's about finding the best fit for you and where you will thrive. And we all know we do our best and we thrive when we are happy as a whole person. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's one. Um, I think one thing I hear, and I don't know if it's overrated, but I think a huge misperception in the process is about AP tests. Um, and this is just something I hear all the time about the role that AP tests play in the admissions process. And it's just absolutely not true. AP tests actually, they, you can send them and it's optional and they, of course, will, it shows that you've, um, you have expertise in a subject, but they are actually not part of the process. They're not required and you don't have to send your AP tests. It's hard to pick one piece of advice because there is just so much media around the college process, mm-hmm. which gets so crazy. And so for me, I, I just, from the beginning, tell students and tell parents to this kind of goes to another question about my biggest piece of advice, but to play your own game, follow what you want to do. I can remember going on field trips with, or going on college visits with my students and hearing them talking about their test scores. And I just turn around and say, no, you should not be talking about this with each other. It's just, I think everyone gets so wrapped up in 
the minutia of the process and it's so easy to listen to what other people are doing or what other people are saying you should be doing and I think you just have to follow your own heart and stay true to what you want in the process mm-hmm. and that's that's sort of two different pieces there but um yeah yeah no that was great yeah for sure I think a lot of people are um gonna be able to like take advice from that and I think that that's um definitely a thing that I can relate to is kind of getting like wrapped up in that oh what's this person mm-hmm. doing what's this person doing yeah, like but, the social pressure of it all yeah it definitely for sure um our next question is what advice would you have for students and families to make this whole process a little bit less stressful and just more exciting and, and fun Yes. I mean, I, I laugh because I always, I, when I talk to students, I think the process can be really fun. And people, at, when I was at Country Day, I used to organize uh, the seniors after they had made their decision. They would come and they'd speak to the juniors about the process and how it works. And the kids, it was some, I would just sit there with this huge smile on my face, but also kind of chuckling because these students who had worked so hard and been in my office, you know, every day to work on things and be stressed out, they'd say, this process is the best. You just go to Mifflitsky's office and you do this and you do this. And it's so much fun. And I would just sit there and think, I'm so glad that that's how they feel about it now because there are definitely times when it's really stressful. So my biggest advice is to be organized and to I don't want to say start early because that goes back to the beginning. I don't mean start early freshman year to to start figuring out what you're going to write, write your college essay about, but it's just to be organized and to stay organized and not to let all the chatter and, like I said, the chatter in the media get to you. I think that to know that you're going to land at a place that you're meant to be and will be happy, there is not just one right school for any students. Mm -hmm. There are so many amazing places out there. And for anyone who's applied, who has gone through an application process for high school, it's so completely different. It's, and I know if you're at public school, you didn't go through that process, but a lot of kids that I used to talk to, it's like with high schools, they're so, you know, you have two, three, four that you're choosing from. And if you don't get in, what are you going to do? College, completely different and we start at the beginning by building this big list and you can change your mind and you can your priorities can change and you might I think it's important to know that one college might not have every single thing on your perfect list but you will find wonderful things at so many colleges Mm -hmm. and so I think it's it's just important to do your research and to really for me you know when I give students a really big list even if they say I know I want this 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 and this I also know that 15 and 16 and 17 year olds you change your mind Mm -hmm. and that's okay and that's good and I think it's really important to not hone in too narrowly at the beginning to really keep an open mind about what you want and where you might succeed and to just do your research and know that the list is fluid. I think that's really important advice and it's always fun. I used to go back with my seniors and look, it's like, let's look at what the list was originally. I'm like, changed my mind at all. And other kids were like, oh my gosh, I said I would never go to an all-women's college and I'm going to Wellesley, you know, and Mm -hmm. so it's important to know that you're allowed to change your mind and it's okay to change your mind and it's also okay not to know. You know, sometimes kids will say, I don't know what I want to major in. I know I'm so far behind. It's like, 
no, I love that you don't know what you want to major in because you're 16 years old and you don't need to know everything right now. Mm -hmm. So lots of different uh, pieces of advice, advice, but I think keeping an open mind and planning and being organized are very important. Thank you. That's, that's super important. Um, I think that's going to help a lot of people just like make this process less stressful. For sure. Um, Cause you know, now being in college, like it's so exciting and so different and, it's it'd be better to like think about it that way when you're applying to like realize like how exciting the next four years are going to be and mm-hmm. not on like all the stress of the applications um so our next question is more of a fun one um we just were wondering if you had like a crazy story or experience with admissions or something something like weird like that um for, from your experience yes oh my gosh okay so there are a lot of crazy stories but <laughs> <laughs> there there is one that comes to my mind and it's so random, but, um, I had this student who I of course will not say her name and her dream was to do, um, to be a a film producer. I mean, just dream, 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 dream. And she wanted to go study film either at NYU or at USC. And, you know, these are like the most, when you look at the list of alums that go to the USC school, I mean, it's just, it's it's the biggest and the best and and, and they take, I want to say like 3% of their applicants and it's people from all over the world. So I remember, I remember the process and, you know, I work so closely with kids on their essays, but for, for these programs, it's all screenplays. And I remember, um, I, I remember this so, so well, I mean, this was so long ago, but, um, one of them, and one of them asks, I think for, I think it's USC, asks for like an elevator to write a story of an elevator scene where you're stuck in an elevator with someone. And then she worked so hard on it. And then it came time to do the NYU one. And it said, you know, you had to do a scene. And it was like, but it can't be an elevator scene because they just knew everyone was applying to both schools. <laughs> She's like, oh, that was so good. And I worked so hard. And now I'm doing something different. So anyway, fast forward, fast forward. She was put on the wait list for the program at USC. And she was like, I don't have a chance. There's no way I'm just going to commit. I can't even remember where she was going to commit to, but she, I got an email from her, um, at like, I woke up, you know, I was already asleep. I got an email from her when I looked at it in the morning, it was like sent at midnight. She was like completely freaking out. She's like, I got in, but she was fully confident that someone was playing a prank on her because her dad was traveling. Sorry, this is such a convoluted story, but her dad was traveling. I like he was in India or something. She's like, I know this is my dad. And I'm like, I really don't think your dad would do this to <laughs> Yeah. This is your dream. Yeah. She's like, I got this letter. I had to I'll come in first just come in first thing in the morning to my office. <laughs> she comes in, in the morning and she has a letter that she's been accepted off the wait list and da, da, da. and she's I mean crying. She's so happy but she doesn't believe it and you have to call and you have to let them know like that minute if you're going to accept it or not and so she was sitting across from me and just eloquent poised amazing young woman and she's holding the phone and she's like I don't know what to say I don't know what to say and she's like it's a voicemail what am I going to say and we had written out the notes for her exactly what she was going to say and I'll never forget this I was sitting across the desk from her and she's like, it's beeping. And she literally threw the phone at me. <laughs> you have to talk. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Hello, Mr. So-and-so. This is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I am so, you know, on and on and on. And I mean, we let, after we hung up the phone, she has graduated. She's like a superstar. 
famous in our own right at this point, and but I have I don't think that I've ever laughed so hard. <laughs> I mean, shaking literally through the phone at my head. <laughs> I can't That's do funny. it. I don't know how to do it. So I, that comes to mind as my craziest admission story. It was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. So I think we're almost done. We're gonna wrap wrap this up. Um, mm-hmm. but I guess we would just have two last questions. Um. First one is if you have one last message to the audience, and then our second one is how can people best contact you if they want to start working with you? Oh, okay. So top advice overall, I would just say be yourself. Like I said before, play your own game. Don't try and be someone else. Don't, and that comes in so many shapes and forms. You know, whether it's what kind of community service to do, do something that's meaningful to you. You know, if you love musical theater start a program at a school that doesn't have access to it if you love working with kids and tennis teach tennis to little kids you know it's Mm -hmm. don't recreate yourself of what you think looks good to colleges be yourself and find what's going to be the best fit for you so Mm -hmm. that's my top advice overall and that goes for every aspect every facet of the process um and oh how can people best contact me well my email and text or text is great my website um is www.yourvoicecollegeessays.com it's very long and it wasn't what i meant it to be but <laughs> my mind your voice was already taken <laughs> and my email is do you want me just to say what everything is yeah, sure. sure. We can also put this on our Instagram too, so that and we'll people can. And we'll put it in can... the description of the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. So email is karen.elitsky at gmail.com. And my my phone is easy too, just, but it's probably best just to start with email. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't have to give all your personal information over the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, that's all the questions we have. Um, thank you so much for spending spending a few, you know, like a half hour with us. We really appreciate it, and I think our listeners will too. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for giving us your expertise and such wonderful advice. Um, I think everything you said was so, so beneficial and, you know, something that a lot of high school students, uh, you know, it's hard to find advice from experts on the internet because, you know, so much stuff is, you know, is it coming from the right source? You know, is this actually credible information? So thank you so much for giving us such amazing advice. And I hope that people listening to this are going to be able to take um, some valuable things out of what you said because it was all so amazing. Oh, well, thank you both. It was such a treat for me to get to talk to both of you. And I should just say, you know, every, every person goes through this process in a different way and, and every person just needs to stick to their heart. And that's, that's what I do when I work with kids in this process is I, I take each person as an individual and just meet them where they are in the process and walk them through it. Because in all these years, I've never really seen two people go through it in the same way. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to remember. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for talking to us again. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Bye, Karen. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. So just again, if you want to contact Karen or start working with her, we will have all of her contact information in the description of this podcast and also on our Instagram. And you can also reach out to either me or Kelsey if you would like to be introduced to her. Mm -hmm. For me personally, she was a 
crucial part of my process and I know I wouldn't have been able to get through it without her. So she's an amazing resource if you are looking for someone to help you through the process. Definitely. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe and follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and follow our Instagram at Letters from a 2020 Senior and our Twitter at LFA 2020 Podcast. Make sure to tune into our last week's episode, Zoom University. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Thank you.